Tonight's reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Simon, very much. If I can add my own welcome to that that Ruth gave earlier, uh, particularly to anyone here for the first time. My name's Jonathan G. I'm the vicar here, and it is a pleasure to welcome you. And by all means, go on uh, flapping and fanning things in your face to get sort of... It's not just ladies of a certain age, it's everybody tonight. I think. <laughs> so we are... <laughs> I better move on before I get myself into trouble, hadn't I? We are looking at a fantastic bit of scripture, Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. If you don't know what to pray for yourself or for other people or for the church, looking at Paul's prayers to the churches uh, that he writes to, give really good content to your prayer. When you're praying for family, for your small group members, for the church, for me, for whoever it is, these are great, great prayers. Uh, So let's pray that God will speak to us now and that he'll deepen our praying and that these things Paul is praying will be increasingly true for us. Father, how we praise you for the wonderful truths in this passage tonight. You are a father rich in love and power for whom nothing is impossible. Send your spirit on us now, we pray, on me as I speak, on us as we listen. And will you come and speak to us? If there are truths we may have once known and forgotten, bring them back to light. If there are things we particularly need to hear, give us grace to hear them. But we pray particularly with these truths tonight. You wouldn't just write them on our minds, but deep in our hearts and lead us to trust you more and be more and more open to what you want to do in us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm not jumping around at all tonight. We're just going to stick with these verses, if we can pop them up, Ephesians 3 from verse 14, where Paul starts off for this reason. This is the third time he said it, if you've been tracking through with us. He starts off in chapter 1 with some glorious good news. God's chosen us and forgiven us and adopted us and revealed his will to us and poured his spirit on us. For this reason, he goes into prayer. And then he, he sidetracks himself out of the prayer into the grace of God and all that he's done. And he, was about, he said, for this reason, last week, and then he sidetracked again. And now he's coming back to the prayer, for this reason. It's his third go at it. But this is where his heart is going. He's praying for the church in Ephesus. He wants them to know that these wonderful truths about God he's been speaking about, he wants them to know them deeply 
uh, and for them to impact their, their lives. I've got three words from the passage that I particularly want to highlight. Uh, that God is Father, that God is rich, I pray that out of his glorious riches, and that God is able, able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or think. God is Father, God is rich, and God is able. So first of all, God is Father. Uh, for this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. It was Jesus that taught us to pray to God as our Father. No one would have done that before. Jews of old might have prayed, blessed are you, king of the universe, Lord God. But not calling him Abba, Father. No one had thought of that. Uh, maybe God is the Father of all uh, generally, but not with that intimate father-child relationship that Jesus knew and that he taught us to pray. He taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father, when you pray, you pray to God as your heavenly Father. And the word is Abba, the Hebrew word, uh, the Jewish word for daddy. Uh, you've probably heard me say this once or twice before, but we can never get to the bottom of this. This extraordinary intimacy. I spent a year in Israel uh, before I did my theological training. I'd done a maths degree a very, very long time ago now. Had a year in Israel working in a Christian conference center. And there was a family there uh, he was German, she was English, they had two children who spoke Hebrew uh, and Arabic. It was an extraordinary sort of cosmopolitan family. They went off to kindergarten and the little four-year-old and little two-year-old came running back to their German dad going, Abba, 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 Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And it was that intimacy of seeing little children using the word Abba that I knew meant father from the scriptures that awoke something afresh in me, that Jesus says we are to call God our Father. Now the word Abba has not just the intimacy of Daddy about it, it also has the reverence of Father. And I don't think we quite get this in our culture. Uh, my children either go Dad, which may not have a lot of reverence about it, or if uh, particularly Thomas Meldis is being ironic, Father, he says, which has no reverence whatsoever about it. But the word Abba has this sense of awe before God as our Father and the intimacy with it. And Jesus taught us that we can pray to his Father, our Father. He died on the cross so our sins could be forgiven, so we could be adopted into God's family. Paul was talking about that in chapter 1. And this is the most wonderful thing, that we are adopted into a family that will last for all eternity. Uh, an extraordinary, wonderful gift. So we could go right round the New Testament thinking about God as Father, but particularly tonight, uh, for those of us that know and love the Lord Jesus, that are adopted into God's family, the call is to trust him. Paul says, I bow the knee before the Father. And I don't know what's going on in your life. Whatever is going on, I want to encourage you to bow the knee before the Father and to ask him to help you to trust him in that. Now, none of us has had a perfect human father. Some of us have had some quite good fathers. Some of us haven't. If you've had quite a good father, the slight danger is equating God with your dad. I had quite a good dad, but not perfect. None of us has had a perfect dad. And I kind of equated God with my dad, but my dad's limitations I projected onto God as well. And uh, some years ago, God pointed out to me that I was kind of limiting him 
making him too much like my dad. Others of you haven't had such good fathers. God is the father you've been crying out for all of your life, who loves you perfectly and intimately. Uh, those of us who are fathers, none of us is the perfect father. Uh, we all get much of that wrong, as my kids delight to point out to me at most opportunities. And yet, one of the privileges that comes with that is that as each one was born and took their early steps and so on, I remember this great outpouring of love for them, even though they kept me up all night, spent all my money. Uh, whenever I put on a smart jacket and picked them up, they'd throw up all over it. They didn't do it with scruffy clothes. I don't know how they did it. They had a rotor, the five of them, such that they took it in turns each night to come and say hello to us and wake us up. We never found the rotor. They only missed a night every five or so we had them. And yet there was this great love for them. There still is. And God loves me and he loves you more than any of us who are parents have loved our children, more than any of us have been loved by our parents, however wonderful they are. God is Father. It's the most wonderful thing. Father is the Christian name for God. Jesus said, when you pray, you pray, our Father. So that's the first thing tonight. And for some tonight, that may be the main thing. Uh, for all of us, God wants to reveal more of his fatherly love to us. But for some of you particularly, tonight will be the night where you, you might want to pray. You may never have even prayed to God as Father. You may just pray God or Lord. Why don't you pray, would you help me by your spirit to know that you are my heavenly Father and to know that love. It's a, God loves to answer that prayer bit by bit by bit. So that's the first word, God is Father. The second word tonight, uh, God is rich. Verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, uh, last week we thought about the boundless riches of Christ. I uh, pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. God is rich. He is the creator of everything. Uh, but supremely, Paul is not thinking about rich in material terms, but rich in love, and rich in power, that he can strengthen us in our inner being in a way that no one else can. Uh, some of you who are old, like me, will remember the Heineken adverts. Do you remember those from years gone by of people whose lives were hopeless and then they have a can of Heineken and, it's, and everything goes well and it says Heineken refreshes the parts other parts cannot reach. We know it's complete garbage. That Heineken, one of the great uses for it is to be thrown in the air when England scored a goal, as, as we've seen all, all round the country uh, during the World Cup. Not, very, not often enough, sadly. Uh, but it's only God that actually reaches deep within. Government can't do this. They can change the laws. They can change the taxes. They can put finance in one place more than another. They can't do anything to change the inner being. It's God that does that. And he, out of his glorious riches, will strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your innermost being. Uh, this is continuing the prayer that Paul prayed in chapter 1 that they'd know him more, that they'd know the hope that he's called them to more, that they'd know his power more. That power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And Paul is praying that we would know that to strengthen us. Well, which of us does not need that more? Talking with a few of you before. Uh, and Chris praying for teachers with a week to go at strengthening. And I felt my heart cry out for the engineers with all summer to go, or whatever it is that among you. Uh, but we need that inner strength. And God does that in different ways for different ones of us. For some, it's like the Psalm 23, 
He takes us to quiet waters and green pastures. He restores our soul. For some, he gives us the energy to get up and keep going and have another go and keep forgiving and keep loving and keep uh, doing grace. It's his power that gives us grace to do that in our innermost being. Uh, The equivalent is that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Now, sometimes in the New Testament, it says that Christ is in us. Sometimes it says that we are in Christ. It doesn't really matter which way around. The point is that Christ and us are united together. I'm reminded of that picture in John 15, where Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. That we're the branches, he is the vine. And there is to be a deep, Union where the vine and the branches join. Uh, The stronger the connection, the more the sap can come up through the vine and into the branches and produce the fruit. And this is what Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus that they would be, they would know this dwelling, abiding with Christ and Christ in them. Uh, One new union being in Christ. Uh, Or he talks about being rooted. Can we go on to the next verses? I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Uh, Now the trees that are still green have got deep roots and extraordinary after what is it 10 weeks of dryness and sunshine the ground looks like Spain it's yellow it's brown Uh, but there's that wonderful picture in Psalm 1 isn't there of a tree by a river whose roots go down deep that still bears fruit even in times of drought and Paul is praying that our roots would go deep down into Christ. When the ground gets dry, the trees push their roots further down, looking for moisture. And sometimes the Lord allows difficult times to come. I think that our roots would go deeper into him, that we can draw up more of his goodness. Uh, So even in times of drought, as it were, when things are difficult at home and difficult at work, uh, difficult in all sorts of ways, we can still know God's love. Uh, This love that is so wide and long and high and deep. At the, uh, while the children were in this morning, we did one of those songs where we did the sort of air hostess thing where you hold your arms up and down and to the back and to the front. How wide and long and deep and high is the love of God. And to know this love, though Paul says, even though it can't be known, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, it's so much. But we're praying that God, by his spirit, would do that for us so that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's an extraordinary thing, that we would be full up with God. Now, I think there's two reasons we're often not full. One is that we're too full of other stuff. If we are full of trusting in material possessions or trusting in our own reputation or trusting in our ability to sort everything out, then we're half full of us. So at the most, we can be half full of what God wants to pour out. We need to empty ourselves of a self-confidence, a pride, and come to God saying, you fill me. Uh, The other reason I think that we're not full uh, is because we're not asking him to fill us. I heard a preacher years ago say, you can be as full of the Holy Spirit as you want to be, as full of God's love as you want to be. If we open ourselves a little bit up, we'll catch a little bit of the love God's pouring out. If we open ourselves wide open... Uh, we're, we're more receptive to all the love that God has to pour in. And so as Paul is praying for us, well, the church in Ephesus, obviously, but us uh, by extension, to be filled with God's love, we need to cooperate with that by being open, asking, well, Lord, yes, show me what's getting in the way. Is there any unconfessed sin that's getting in the way? 
Am I putting my security in human things, not you? Uh, what's getting in the way of this? And to come and ask him day by day to fill us. So God is Father. God is rich. He's rich in love. He's rich in power. And really his love and his power are the same thing. If you are in love, you feel an extraordinary energy. When we're filled with the love of God, we're filled with his power. If you're filled with the power of God, it's in order to love. It's to flow out from us, to love others as well. So God is Father, God is rich. And thirdly, God is able. Verse 20, now to him who is able. Able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That is amazing. God wants to, Jesus to be glorified in us and through us, through the church, in all generations. That includes in this generation. And now these verses were very significant to us as a church when we put our vision statement together, what is now about 12 years ago. Remember John Irvin, who was acting as a bit of a mentor to us, was at the time Dean of Coventry Cathedral. He came and encouraged us to think big and pray big. And he said, if you think you can do it in five years, it's not big enough. And it's a much bigger challenge. And we were praying. We felt the Lord saying to us, it's not about St. Paul's, it's about the town. And we came up with this vision. Well, we believe God led us to this vision to see the town changed one life at a time, to see God's kingdom come in the town. Not just a church full of people, but a town full of people loving and rejoicing in God and demonstrating his kingdom. Uh, that is a big vision, but he is able to do immeasurably more than that. Uh, all we can ask, even more than we can think of asking. God can do that. Uh, this is the God who is the God of the impossible, the God who came in Jesus. Remember the Christmas story, how Gabriel came to Mary and said, you're going to be with child. The child in you will be the son of the Most High. How, she said, I'm a virgin. The Holy Spirit will come on you. Nothing is impossible with God. Or how 33 years later, after Jesus died on the cross and was put in a cold tomb, God brought him back to life. Not just resuscitated, but resurrected. That power that raised Jesus from the dead, Paul says in chapter 1, is in us by his spirit. This is the God we worship, uh, who came in Jesus, who raised Jesus from the dead, for whom nothing is impossible. And it's his power that is at work in us. He's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us. That means we need to cooperate with this. He wants to do it through us. And the Bible is full of heroes of the faith. We're going to look at them on Sunday evenings over the summer. And then after the summer, we'll pick up in Ephesians again and we'll pick up with these verses about God can do far more than all we ask or imagine. But these Bible heroes, they dared to take God at his word and offer themselves to God. And they're used by him in extraordinary ways. Noah, who trusted God enough to obey and build a boat in the middle of the desert, even though he was ridiculed. And God did the impossible through him and saved his family from that terrible flood. Abraham, who God told to leave, leave the place you know so well, a town of great civilization, Ur of the Chaldees, 2000 BC, a three-story buildings, town drains, writing, a place of great civilization. Leave it. Go, in your, go with your tents and I'll tell you when to stop. Now, 
we're coming up to new wine. And some of you bulk at camping for a week and you know you can come back again. Uh, Abraham's told to leave and I'll tell you when to stop. And he goes and he trusts God. And he is the father of the Israelites, the Jewish nation. We've been grafted into all the blessings that God promised to the Jews through Jesus. Or Moses, at the age of 80, met God in the burning bush and God called him to go back to Egypt and bring the people out of slavery. You could have expected him to say, look, Lord, I'm 80. Come on, I've got my bus pass. <laughs> Give me a break. There's some younger people out there. They've got more energy. And I'm not really very welcome in Egypt anyway. But God said, no, you go. And he trusted and he went. And God's power was at work in him. Or Joshua, who brought the people into the promised land, obeying about how to cross the Jordan, how to capture Jericho. Every step of the way, even though it looked silly, he obeyed. And God's power was at work in him and glorified with him. Or Mary, when Gabriel came, and she said, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. Though it took over her whole life, she was ridiculed, probably not very welcome in Nazareth. She didn't have to go to Bethlehem. She was pregnant. It was only the dads that had to go and register. I think she went because it was just too uncomfortable. People didn't believe the story, obviously. She went. She could so easily said, really? This is going to be, take over my whole life and be utterly embarrassing. Look, I help on the rotor at the synagogue once a month. Isn't that enough? But according, she opened her life wide open. And God used her. And we rejoice. Uh, when we were putting this vision together, or at least seeking God's vision, there were a number of things that were said by word of prophecy that we tested and Here's one that we believed came from God. I haven't read this very often, but I was reminded of it this week. A remarkable prophecy that came alongside this vision for the town 12 years ago. And yet parallel to the town vision was a, a vision God had for what he wanted to see happen here. Listen to this. It's my desire that St. Paul's Church becomes a place that is known both by its members and those outside it, even those who don't follow me, as a place where I, the holy heavenly God, come to interact both individually and corporately with my people as they worship me. This will be evident by incidents of physical, emotional and spiritual healing, by countless situations where people radically change their lives and behavior as they seek to follow me, by an overflow of love and generosity that breaks the expectations of society, by non-believers coming into the building and being instantly converted as they come into my presence, People who had previously no understanding of the gospel. The very atmosphere will be vibrant with the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. There'll be a freedom for those who have gifts of prophecy, healing and deliverance. My presence, my blessing and the revolutionary work I'll be doing in the lives of the people of St. Paul's will also be evident by opposition. But take heed of my word. He that is in us is greater than he who's in the world. I will keep you safe. Now we've grown a little but we have a long way to go till we see this as our normal, daily, weekly occurrence. But wouldn't that be wonderful? God is able to do more than all we can even think of asking. So let's ask him to come and make himself known day by day, week by week, as we worship him, to draw people to himself as we seek to uh, live this out Monday to Saturday, to, that others would be drawn to him. 
It comes with opposition. Jesus' ministry came with opposition. Uh, I've been aware of every stage of growth of the church, a parallel opposition that comes. Uh, Ephesians is very clear that there's a spiritual battle, and we'll look at that more clearly in the autumn. But what a wonderful vision that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even think of asking. He is our Father. He loves us. He is rich. He has all the resources to strengthen us with our inner being so we can trust him. Those times when it's most hard, when we think, God, I know you love me and I know you could deal with this, so why haven't you? God has the, he can strengthen us to keep trusting him, those things we don't understand. And he is able to do immeasurably more. As I say, we'll come back to this in September after the summer. Uh, my prayer is that over this next year at St. Paul's, we'll see more of God's kingdom happen here than at any year so far in the 145-year history of St. Paul's. And more with each year. This is what Paul was praying for the church in Ephesus. This is our vision prayer. Uh, there's more. And every time Paul gets into theology, he says, for this reason, I bow the knee and praise that we'd see more. But this is a glorious prayer. Pray it for yourself over the summer. Pray it for those close to you. Pray it for me. Pray it for the church. God is Father. God is rich. God is able. Let's stand and we'll pray it together. And perhaps the band would come back ready to lead us in a moment. Lord, we bow before you in our hearts, though we're standing physically. We praise you that you are our heavenly father and you love us with a love greater than we know. By your spirit, help us to know that more. Particularly those among us hurting from the pain of not having known the love of a good human father. Lord, come and with your healing balm, reveal your divine fatherly love. We praise you that you are rich rich in love, rich in mercy, rich in power. Strengthen us in our inner being by your Holy Spirit. May our roots go deep. May we learn to abide in Christ and let Christ abide in us. Praise you that you are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or even think of asking. Let's just hold that situation before the Lord that most troubles us. Lord, praise you are able to deal with that situation. Come now by your spirit, we pray, and fill your people this evening. Fill your church here at St. Paul's. Fill those who aren't here, those who are away on holiday or elsewhere. Fill your church and raise our expectation level that you can do abundantly more in us and through us. May your love fill us that we can show it more to others. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just keep a moment of quiet together.